0: Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Who's That Then podcast. And before we start this episode, I have a little confession to make, dear gentle listener. I messed up. In last week's episode, there's a bit that's a little jarring. I wrote this fantastic joke and I was meant to cut out my own laugh at it, but I I didn't. And it sounds almost a little deranged. It's because I turned my head as I laughed. And so the speaker doesn't pick up all of the sound. So it just kind of cuts in halfway through. I'm sorry if that was a little jarring, and I promise I will try very hard in the future to find myself less hilarious. With that said, there may also be announcements at the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that. I will try to remember. Sorry again. Mia culpa. Today, we are flying off around the world, and so let us together go boldly where others have been before. The year is 1371, and a baby boy has just been born in Yunnan Province, China. His given name is He. His family name is Ma. This is because his family is a Hui. A Hui is a family of Chinese Muslims, and the name Ma comes from the Chinese version of the name Muhammad. I just want to make a little sidebar here and say I don't speak Chinese. I don't speak Mandarin. I don't speak any of the languages spoken in China. And so I am trying my absolute best with the pronunciations here. I've looked them up and I've tried to match as many as I could possibly found. There will also be pronunciations in this one from other parts of Southern Asia. And so again, I've tried to look them up. I'm really trying my best, I promise. Back to the story. This family of Ma has some claims and ability and specialness within the community because they can claim descendant from King Muhammad. His kingdom now would be inside of Uzbekistan as well as a former Yuan governor of Yunnan. The Yuan dynasty PTW is the name of a Chinese state ran by the Mongols. The Mongols, coming out of Mongolia, obviously, under the leadership of Chinggis Khan, had raised and reaved and ravished and that other word beginning with are every man, woman and child, every thing, be it alive or inanimate. And after they had done all of that, they set about governing. After Chinggis' death, his grandson Kublai took over. Kublai Khan is the one that Marco Polo met on his journey to China, and he's also the guy who conquered southern China which was ruled by the Song Dynasty. The Yuan Dynasty lasted for fewer than a 100 years, and in 1381 the last of the Mongol forces were defeated by the Ming in the reconquest of China. The Yuan Dynasty is the first time that China has been ruled and conquered by a foreign power, And so while I doubt that the Ming's defeating the Yuan isn't actually called the Reconquest, I think that's a pretty cool and fitting name for it. The Ming had actually taken control of China in 1368, but Yunnan was the last place under Mongol control. A note on Yunnan here, and don't worry there will be a map on the Instagram, it's really pretty massive and it's relatively important to the outside world. Yunnan today has the approximate size of 152,000 square miles. That's 394,000 square kilometers, which makes it, as I found one website describe it, slightly larger than Montana. I've never seen Montana used as a unit of measurement before, but there you go. Yunnan is also the birthplace of tea. There are still tea rituals done there to this day in tea forests, which I think is really cool. Yunnan is also the province that borders modern day Myanmar, Laos, and Vietnam. So it is international. Focusing back to our story today, the Ming defeated the Yuan and retook Yunnan province, which is really good for the Ming. Well done them, pats on the back, well done everybody. It's what they do next that I'm sure our 10-year-old Mahi would have had an issue with. He is one of the boys that were taken away, and I have to warn you now, this next part is really quite disgusting. So if you want to skip over it, and you don't like the idea of mutilation or that kind of theme, then please, skip forward ahead. If you hear a moment of silence, catch on there. That's where we'll be. For everyone who stays, Mahi is taken away from his family, and he is castrated. That's right, he has his gentleman region cut off, and he's made into a eunuch. He's then taken away into a life in the military. If you skipped ahead, welcome back. If you didn't, I'm so sorry that you now know that. Mahi, in 1390, had distinguished himself somewhat as a junior officer, and when the unit was put under the command of Prince Yan. In 1400, Prince Yan rebelled against the current Zhai Wen Emperor, who was actually his nephew, and in 1402, he made himself the Yongle Emperor. The Yongle Emperor, after fixing the Chinese war-torn economy, set about showing off. That is a huge oversimplification of the truth, but it is also kinda true. The Yonggu Emperor wanted to show the force of China and the power of his state to the rest of Southeast Asia. He also needed a lot of ships, because the desire for Chinese goods had been steadily increasing over the last 300 years. They assembled what would later become known as the Treasure Fleet. But who to lead it? Mahi had risen up through the ranks under the Yonggu Emperor back when he was Prince Yan, and he was the clear choice the Yongle Emperor gave He a new name. His new name is Zheng He, and it is the name that history remembers him as. Zheng He was chosen to lead the treasure fleet, and he set off on his first mission in 1405. Now, I want to try a little little thing here. What I'm going to ask you to do, if it is safe, please close your eyes for me. I want you to take a deep breath in, try and clear your mind, and picture this. Picture that you're sitting on a beach. You're on the shore of Vietnam. It is the late morning. The sky is clear. There are birds flying around. In front of you, you see fishing boats lazily drifting by. You see slightly larger boats floating off to distant ports, trading goods and services. You see this little speck. You can't place what it is. It's too big to be a boat, but there's no island there. And you realize it's getting closer and closer and closer. And you realize those are masts. And there are so many of them. And as it gets closer and closer, you realize these are the biggest ships you've ever seen. These ships, there must be 20, no 30, no 50. There must be 60 of these ships coming towards you. On board those ships, there's got to be at least 20,000 men. You know, it might even be closer to 30,000 men. And you see this huge fleet sailing along the sea in front of you. You look out at these men dressed in their bright and ornate colours. The flagship, there stands, Zheng He. Proud and tall. As his ships sail towards Vietnam. Now, take a deep breath. Come back to me. Open up your eyes. That was a pretty fun exercise, wasn't it? But it did also serve a purpose. Just imagine... The feeling you would have seeing this huge ship coming towards you. And now imagine seeing all of those ships coming towards you. That is a power move. If you're from Vietnam or Indonesia at this time, you would have heard of China. China's the big power player. But to physically see these ships coming. In actuality, there were 27,800 men on 62 ships. The fleet went, so, went to southern Vietnam, Thailand, Malacca, Java, and then across the Indian Ocean to Kozhikode in India, and then on to southern Sri Lanka. That is a very long trip. It took them two years to complete that, and they returned to China in 1407. Zheng didn't stay in China for very long. In 1408, he travelled to Kochi in India, and then on to Calicut. He moved down to Sri Lanka once again, this time... He was held up by treachery. The king and Zheng He's forces clashed in a sea battle. Zheng won the battle and he took the king captive back to Nanjing. There are a total of seven voyages, and if I went fully into detail about all of them, we would never leave. This episode would be a minimum 10 hours long. So what I will say is this, if you are even slightly interested in maritime trade and ships, this is something so worth into looking into. These are really interesting trips and missions that these fleets go on. I mean, there are parts of the fleet that break off and they go on little submissions and then reconnect with the main fleet. This is very much the case for the third voyage. They set off again in October fourteen o nine, and they set off for modern Indonesia and Sri Lanka, and southern India once again. They returned to China in fourteen eleven. It was a very similar trip to the third one really. Trip number four is where it gets really, really interesting. Once again they visited Vietnam, Indonesia, Sri Lanka and southern India, but this time they moved on to Hormuz in Persia. A detachment actually travelled further to the coast of Yemen, to Yemen and Oman. A smaller detachment went on to Mecca and then up to Egypt. Now. Bear with me, we're gonna do another one of those little exercises again. So, if it's safe to, please, close your eyes for me. I want you to picture yourself. You're walking through the streets of Alexandria. You've never seen anything like this. The weather is hot, there's a breeze coming in off of the Mediterranean. Around you, you see spices and goods and gold. You see salt and gold from Africa. You see pottery and wine from Greece. You see people there, people you've never seen before. Europeans from Italy and Spain and Greece. You see Turks, you see people from Africa, people from the Middle East, and they're all culminating together in this city. It's very, very, very different from the land that you've come from and from the life that you've known. Now, come back to me again. On trip number three, They also picked up a large number of diplomats who came to pay homage to the Yongle Emperor. Trip number five set off in 1417. They went to all the same places again, but this time they went past Arabia and onto Western Africa. They sailed to Somalia and Kenya, returning to China in 1419. Trip number six was a very similar trip. They followed the exact same route and ended up in exactly the same place. Trip six lasted from 1421 to 1422 and the main aim of this voyage was to take all the diplomats back home from china the other trips had been about exerting power and trading that's why they brought such large ships but this time they were just taking everybody home i think it's very kind of them to bring them all home and not have to make everybody walk home the Yonggu Emperor died in 1424 after a 20 year long reign he established the chinese economy And he exerted his power over the seas around China and beyond. His successor, the Hongxi Emperor, had no desire to keep up these really expensive trips, and so Zheng was made the garrison commander in Nanjing. His job was to disband his nearly 30,000 troops. Now, you may be a little bit confused here because I said there would be a total of seven voyages, and we've only had six. The seventh voyage left from China in 1431 the Emperor wanted to re-establish tributes from the states around China. Zheng was picked once again to lead the fleet. They set off on the same path as they had before, they visited the same ports they had done on all the other trips, they visited the Red Sea in Western Africa, and on the return to China in Spring 1433, Zheng He died in India. And that is the life of Zheng He. He is a divisive figure in history. Some historians poo-poo his importance and his effect on history. They call the treasure fleet a massive vanity project, and it didn't actually achieve anything at all. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think yes, it is a massive vanity project, but they do achieve things as well. Imagine back to being that person sitting on the shore of Vietnam or Indonesia or India or Sri Lanka or even the coast of Africa. And seeing these giant ships coming towards you, Zheng He's trips showed off the power of China. They showed off the power of the Yongle Emperor, and they led to Chinese colonies being established all over southeastern Asia. His trips promoted other groups of people to emigrate into China from India and Arabia. Islam entered China in a larger way than it had ever done before, and Chinese goods had been trading, traded and bartered all across the globe out of places like Alexandria and Arabia and India. Chinese goods were now being bartered all across this new maritime silk road. I think that Zheng He is an awesome figure. He's an explorer and a traveler. He went further than anyone expected that he would have done. He won battles, he distinguished himself as a leader in a very clear way. He commanded nearly 29,000 people and a fleet of over 60 ships. Zheng He got it done, and he got it done consistently, and that is incredibly impressive. Let's also not forget, he did kidnap a king, bring him back to China, all for the power of the Chinese state. That is Zheng He, dear gentle listener. I am a big fan of the Treasure Fleet, and giant ships in general. You may have noticed the theme in these episodes, that we often talk about ships and sailing. I love the sea, and I love ships, and I find great characters that often have impacts in some way on the sea not always i mean Khalid didn't but if we look back pretty much everyone we've talked about has something to do with the sea even way back to charles I, because he had colonies in america i promise next week we will not be talking about ships but maybe only next week who knows And about that announcement, I've been making shorter episodes these last few weeks, that is true. Some of you, dear gentle listeners, have told me that you would like us to go back to the longer ones, the 20 to 25 minute episodes. That I can do, and if that's what people would prefer, let's do that. With that said, I'd also like to say that some of these upcoming episodes may be a little bit shorter. I'm going on a trip this summer, and I will be away and therefore unable to make new episodes. That is why I'm making them in advance, and recording them now, before I go. The episodes coming out over June may actually have a little bit of a theme that represents where I'm travelling to. But don't worry, I'm not going to try and hide it or anything. I may even just blot it out in excitement. I'm hoping that the way I've got it set up will have the episodes keep coming out consistently, so much so you won't even know that I've been away. Don't worry, I will tell you more about it when the time comes. As for now, and with all of that said, thank you so much for being here with me today. What do you think about the treasure fleet and its impact? Let me know. The Instagram and the email are both Who's That Then podcast, all one word with a total of three T's. Remember, there are two T's that and then. All of that said, I hope you have a safe and excellent week, and until I see you again, bye bye for now.